Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of That's My Jam Stack, the podcast where we ask the time-tested question, what's your jam in the jam stack? I'm your host, Brian Robinson, and this week we have Drew Clements, a front-end developer for Foster Commerce. All right, Drew. Well, thanks for being on the show with us today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do for work? What do you do for fun? That sort of thing. Well, like I said, my name is Drew Clements. I'm a front-end developer with Foster Commerce. Uh, we use Vue a lot on the front end. Uh, for fun, I like to play video games. I play guitar. Uh, I play paintball, although I haven't played in a year or two since we've had our first kid. <laughs> oh, a year, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have many hobbies that I have that I have not uh, done nearly as much in the past five years since I had since I had mine. So I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so what sorts of uh, video games do you play? Video games. I mostly play a bunch of first person shooters. I'm really big on the uh, the latest Call of Duty right now. You know, PUBG, all those fun things. And then uh, you say you're at Foster Commerce. Uh, so I, I assume that's that's an e-commerce uh, uh, agency or developer. What 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 do you actually do there? Uh, so we we build e-commerce solutions for you know, a multitude of clients. Cool. And you say you say mostly uh, in in Vue nowadays. Yeah, we use, for the front end we use Vue, um, and in the last few projects we've started roping in GraphQL with it. Okay, very cool. So so obviously we're using some some semi uh, Jamstack things at least when it comes to Vue and GraphQL. Uh, but what, what would you say is kind of your entry point into the world of, of Jamstack? Where did you kind of get into it? Uh, the entry point for me was when I wanted to, probably like a bunch of other developers, I wanted to build myself a blog because I told myself <laughs> if, if I built it, I would actually write. Um, so when I was looking at you know different options for how to do that, I came across things like Gatsby and similar frameworks. I didn't really know much about it, so I really just kind of dove in headfirst. Nice. And so, so out of curiosity, you, you did the technology, you learned the technology to do the thing, right? To write the blog. Um, now, I've been through three blogs before I successfully actually started writing. Did, were you able to actually overcome that hurdle and write on the blog? Um, I wrote two articles on the blog. Excellent. Um, that was about as far as I've made it. Here, <laughs> here recently, I've been using the dev.to for some of my writing, but I'm actually in the process of rebuilding my blog. I'm not redesigning it. I've already gone down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm rebuilding it, so I'm going to be able to use the dev.to platform kind of as the CMS for my Jamstack oh, blog. Very nice. Yeah, because they, they, uh, at least there's an RSS feed and there's probably some other stuff that you can get out of that, right? Oh, yeah. Very cool. So, uh, so what what kind of technology brought you into the Jamstack? So you said you started researching blog platforms. I think you mentioned Gatsby, uh, but you're also in Vueland. So, so uh, what are you using nowadays in terms of uh, that, or, or what technologies are you researching right now? I'm researching ways I can make Nuxt as Jamstack as possible. I really, I really like the Vue framework um, and Nuxt. Uh, I guess. I guess that's server side view, but there there are some stuff you can or some things you can do to it to make it a little more jam stacky. So I'm really trying to look into to ways I can do that. That's part of the research for rebuilding my blog site is how I can implement some of those things. Yeah, get it get it as static as possible. That gets it as quick as possible. I think yeah. I think they're doing a lot of stuff right now around uh, around static routes and stuff like that. So that should be uh, that should be a good investment there. I think. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun when I, I'm still in the kind of the reading and looking around phase. I'm I'm ready to jump into it though. 
Nice. So, uh, so that's kind of personally how you're using the Jamstack. Are, are you bringing any of that back into your work um, in, in e-commerce, or are you primarily uh, working on just a front end with kind of some stationary backends in place? Uh, I, I haven't really had the chance to bring that into any of the professional products that we're working on. Um, a lot of the ones they're just they're larger, complex builds that I think we actually within. Let me backtrack that a little bit. Within the last week. Within the last week, we've discovered that one of the sites we're building would probably actually benefit from being a Jamstack site. Um, but at this point, the the deadline's too close for us to, <laughs> to make that pivot. Yeah, my, my, my favorite thing uh, from when I worked at agencies is discovering a new technology or discovering a new a new way of doing something and really wanting to use it on a client project and then realizing, no, we have like you know three more weeks left in this project. Can't <laughs> yep. quite do that now. So out of curiosity, uh, with, you know, without specifics, what what kind of things uh, would the Jamstack bring to that project? Is it about like performance, security, um, flexibility? In this case, it would be performance. It's the there, there's not a lot of interactivity on the site. There's just a lot of content being generated from a CMS. So from a, from a user's perspective, if we could just you know grab all that at build time or whatever that process ends up being. And just generate the static assets of it and hand it to them rather than rather than you know there being the front end spa process of it uh it would just get it would just give the users a a whole lot better experience yeah and i feel I feel like probably one of the one of the biggest uh sectors in in the web industry that that could do well to to adopt uh jamstack is e commerce but I feel like some of the tooling isn't quite there yet like there are Jamstack type tools for e-commerce, but they all feel like they lag behind the the bigger players. Yeah, that's that's one of the things we've been seeing is that it, it, it'll be like a nine out of ten thing. Like it has nine of the things we really would like to have, but the tenth one that it's missing is the one that we absolutely need. Yeah, I I also feel that not just from a Jamstack <laughs> perspective, but oftentimes just just doing client work. It's like that one thing that we have to have uh, can't use X, Y, or Z framework. Yeah. Cool. So, what would you say is your as your current kind of jam in the Jamstack? So, obviously, using uh, Vue or and and playing with Nuxt, but what what kind of service or product or philosophy is really keeping you uh, engaged in the way the Jamstack works? For me, I would have to say the the simplicity, or I guess relative simplicity of the Jamstack philosophy. Um, I, I remember when I was first starting out and I wanted to build my own blog. And like kind of when I was just starting to get like a confident grasp on the front end, I was like, oh man, I still have to learn all of this back end <laughs> technologies to actually build something. But then, you know, when I found Gatsby and I think I looked at Jekyll and Hugo, a couple of other things like that, um, you know, I just kind of discovered that I could build stuff without having to become a full fledged full stack developer. And m- maybe part of that was even true before the Jamstack came about, but the Jamstack was what kind of opened my eyes to that. Yeah, and there and there's so many services out there that make it so that you like even if you just had a static site generator like like you mentioned with Hugo and with Jekyll, mm-hmm. you can produce a really nice site, but then if you want to add additional functionality, there's just there's so many ways to do it without having to it's going to sound bad, but without having to learn that like extra piece of technology that the backend requires. You want a database, you can just push schemaless data to something like FaunaDB or something like that. You can just push it out there and have have a cool backend with no no real effort. Yeah, and I was I was never against learning the backend technologies. I was just so anxious to get something out there that I wanted to do it as quick as possible. And at 
at that point it was like it was something else I'd have to do before I could do the fun part. And I was just really anxious to get to the fun part. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, uh, I mean, myself being a, a front-end developer in general, I remember uh, I had a portfolio site, this was years and years ago now, that uh, I happened to know a little bit about Python and Django. And so I wrote it in Django, which is you know a Python framework. And mm-hmm. uh, it worked nicely, and it was a learning experience. And then a year later, I needed to update it. And I realized that whatever I had done a year before had made it so it just wasn't going to work if I pushed any code live. And I was like, oh, okay, I can't, I can't do anything without breaking both my CMS and breaking my, my live site. Oh, there's the static thing. I can just, like, I, I think, like, immediately after that, I rewrote my portfolio in HTML and CSS. Like, I didn't even, even have a static site generator. It's like, I can't have this happen again. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then kind of progressing into these other tools that allow that to allow front end developers to flourish, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my the the first iteration of my of my blog was it was statically generated, um, and then the the content was just static within it. It wasn't coming from a CMS. But then after, you know, I'd learned a little bit in that first part of the process. So then when I, as all developers do, when I rebuilt it again the second time, I integrated the I think I'm using the Netlify CMS into it, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, part three that's going to be coming out sometime probably not before the end of the year um, <laughs> is going to have the, the dev.to integration into it. So it's kind of, it's been like a building process the entire time. I always add, add one more thing to it. Like as I go. Yeah. I think that's, that's such a great way of getting into things like listening to that and realizing that was kind of my process into the Jamstack too, where I was like, all right, I need a st- like static content. I can do that. Okay. I'm going to use a static site generator and my content will be in Markdown. No problem. Okay, Netlify CMS allows me to have a CMS that deals with my markdown. Beautiful. Oh, there are these API-based things that I can do? Even better. And so like, I feel like you just you pick up a new piece of technology every step along the way until you get something that really is almost like you could give that to a client and they'd be perfectly happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. That was The, the only reason I'm considering going to the dev.to thing um, is just so I can you know write once, publish in both. Because right now, if I want to write it, if I want it to be on my uh, dev account and my blog, I have to either copy and paste or write it twice. So this is, I guess, kind of a an automation uh, feature. Yeah. Well, and in fact, like they they even have some automation, but it doesn't fully work. So like my RSS feed goes into Dev two. But I still have to touch every every article. I still have to go back and like, oh, this syntax highlighting didn't work, or oh, mm. this image is pulling my version of the image. I need to upload it to Dev two for my own bandwidth. And it's like, mm. yeah, if I wrote it in Dev two and then brought it to my site, that would uh, that would automate most of the problems away. I think. Yeah, that's that's the part I'm really excited to get to get into. Yeah, authoring in one place is definitely the way to go. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about music right now. So what is your actual real life jam? What's your favorite song or musician? What's in your earphones? It, it rotates fairly often. Like I have, I have a huge Spotify playlist that keeps me pretty satiated throughout the day. And that, that covers anything from like, you know, fallout boy, pop punk to like some r- really heavy metal stuff. Uh, but here, here lately I've been on like a late nineties, early odds skate punk kick. So I've been listening to a lot of a lot of Goldfinger, uh, the Mighty Mighty Balls Tones, SR seventy one, kind of like the the Tony Hawk Pro Skater one soundtrack. Just chalk it up to that. 
that is that is pretty much the uh, the perfect analogy for my uh, my my late teens was uh, was the Tony <laughs> the Tony Hawk video game soundtrack because that was that was very energizing. Uh, so so listening to that on Spotify and then whatever like the Spotify uh, automation AI brings your way. Yeah, pretty much. Do you find do you find that uh, that certain types of music because because you just listed out some pretty uh, varied styles there from like you know heavy metal to to you know ska and punk from the from the late 90s um Mm. do you find that some of the music does better at various things for you like do you do you focus better with like hardcore metal or do you focus better with uh with ska or punk um i think it's kind of a situational thing so like i notice in the morning i'll usually start out with uh kind of more of the in the punk mode or sometimes i'll throw in like some lo-fi hip-hop when i'm getting started in the morning but then like if i'm like if I'm like really focused and in the zone, like I'll throw on some metal and it just, you know, blinders on heads down. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, w- one thing I'll, I'll give, I'll give you a warning about actually. Um, so I just discovered this, I use, I use Amazon music for mine, but I share it with, you know, with my entire family. And when you go to their like recommendations and all of a sudden it goes from, uh, from something like some video game music or some, uh, some upbeat, you know, hip hop. And then all of a sudden you're listening to Daniel Tiger and you don't know how that happened. <laughs> happened it happens when you have when you have children it happens pretty easily <laughs> yeah that that happens to me i have i have that one playlist that i usually go to um but they spotify does has kind of like a recommended listening based off of your you know previous history mm-hmm. so i have gotten hit with some uh rain rain go away every now and then <laughs> <laughs> perfect yep yeah so, uh, what is there anything that you would like to kind of promote that you're doing that you want to get out to the Jamstack community? Anything that is uh, that is coming coming our way from you? Uh, yeah, so it's it's not Jamstack yet, but it's it's coming down the pipe. Um, me and my co-founder, we've been building a site called Protege.dev since mm-hmm. March of this year, um, and really, it's a it's a remote job board for junior developers. It's right now right now it's just a create React app. Um, but in the future, we're going to be moving to either either Next or Gatsby. We haven't really decided yet. It's a it's a remote job board, but we our idea is for it to be more than just a job board. We're not we're not sure how we're going to do this yet, but we want it to be a platform that also champions the candidates we're trying to get hired. Um, so, like I said, we're not sure if that's going to be like content or maybe a podcast or something right right now it's yeah. open source so people can contribute to it and our idea behind that was that if a company comes here to post a listing they can check out the contributors page and see oh i can hire this person they've actually helped build this platform i'm posting the job on so we, we, yeah. we still have some some ideas of how to shape that out but one of the hardest things for for juniors to kind of get going is that kind of idea that they've got a portfolio outside of like test projects so like oh i helped implement or fix this bug on proje.dev like that's that's a really cool way of helping them get get into things like oh and by the way that means that i know how to use github and oh by the way it means i know these technologies i think that's a really cool way of resume building for those juniors as well yeah and we have uh so we have react on the front end tailwind for styling and then it's firebase on the back end so and i think i think last i checked we had not counting me, we had 22 contributors, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, so some of those are accessibility fixes where they're, um, you know, just adjusting some contrast ratios. But then there was one where a contributor came in 
and built some GitHub actions out for us um, that kind of automates part of our processes for pull requests and things like that. So anyone could really jump in and it's, it's really kind of free reign. Anyone could jump in and touch whatever part of the project they wanted to. So yeah, that's, I think that's a really worthwhile project. I think that there needs to be, especially in the remote world, like more ways for, for junior devs to find, to find work because Back in the day, it was like you could sit next to a to a mid or a senior level dev and learn lots of things that you needed to. But a company that is remote needs to have a lot of things in place to make sure that like boosting up their juniors is a priority. This whole project started out because at the beginning of COVID, um, I lost both of my jobs, oh. and I, I had the protege.dev domain. I knew the situation I was in. I would look down the job boards and see senior, 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 you mm-hmm. know, tech lead, CTO. All of, all of these jobs that I didn't feel I was qualified to apply for, so I had a whole lot of whole lot of newfound time. <laughs> so, so I just started throwing it together, and pretty pretty early on, my co-founder Andy he found he found the project through Twitter, and I think I think it was like a Wednesday. He said, "Hey, I'd like to help contribute," and then by like Saturday, he had built like the entire form process for <laughs> posting the job. So, at first, it was originally just going to be like a I was hoping it would turn into something, but at the same time, if it didn't, it was still something I put I could put on my portfolio. Yeah. But then he came in like full send, so I was like, "All right, here we go." That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna completely spin up at that point. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. There's there's definitely a lot of people in that situation too, because you know they say you know it's fine to like apply for jobs that are like a little bit beyond your reach, but if you're a junior and all you see are seniors and yeah, like like director level, CTO level. That's a couple a couple steps beyond what you're willing to maybe put yourself out there for. Yeah. All right. Well, very cool. Thank you so much for being on the uh, the podcast with us today, and I hope you keep doing amazing things both uh, in e-commerce land, but also with uh, with Proje.dev. That sounds like a really cool project. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Drew, and thanks to everyone out there listening to each new episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to leave a review or rating in your podcast app of choice. Until next time, keep doing amazing things on the web and keep things jammy.